Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, where I, Megan, sit down with a couple of other amazing ladies to dig up the dirt on the undead in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. For this episode, I've resurrected Casey and Elwyn, or Ellie, so we can sink our teeth into this episode called Idolins and their Statues of Limitations. For this episode on the It's a Mimic channel, we are going to stand vigilant as we plunge into the topic of Idolins, the variant from Theros, and the constructs that come with them. All right, but hold the phone here. So, Elwyn, Ellie, it's your first day. It's your first podcast. Welcome! Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> so, welcome to the Calamity that is the Undead series. Uh, we are so stoked to have yet another voice, not only just another voice, but another feminine voice along with ours. Uh, but please tell us about yourself. What's your story? What's your background? Do you play D&D often? Uh, yeah, <laughs> my name's Ellie, or Elwyn. I have been... Uh, in the realm and world of D&D for probably about the last eight, nine years now. Introduced to it by my spouse and our great team of friends. And uh, so by day, uh, I work in health and safety in the oil and gas industry. By night, game board geek and uh, tabletop RPG player. Man, I love the fact that you work in health and safety, just knowing who you are as a person. <laughs> it just rocks my world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, it kind of stumbled upon me, I guess. Or was it inevitable? <laughs> I think it was inevitable, to be honest with you. But yeah, we're going to do our first episode. Congratulations on joining us on the Undead series. Thank you. Happy to be here. Mm -hmm. I did have some fun. But first, I mean, I guess we should get on to the topic. Uh, uh, before we get any further into this topic, um, I want to point out that there are some very similar kinds of creatures. Uh, ghosts, spirits, demons, and other creatures that can possess living creatures in D&D. Poltergeists are invisible specters that throw items, but idolins inhabit items that make them move seemingly on their own. From statues and dolls and scarecrows to mannequins and carvings and even corpses, as long as the object has been specifically prepared through dark rituals, an idolin can inhabit it. I ask, what is the creepiest object an idolin could inhabit? Your car. <laughs> Your bed. Your bed, okay. I mean, would that be a bad thing? Depends who's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Fair enough. If it's your mom, not so much. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we never once have we made a your mom joke on this podcast <sighs> until today, I'm pretty sure. Today's day one Today's of your the mom day one. Jokes. I feel honored to inspire that. Welcome. Welcome. See? It tops the list, then. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ellie? What's the, what's the <sighs> creepiest object? I mean, I feel like I just need to go stereotypical because I have a thing about dolls and clowns. Mm. Oh, yeah, clowns. Yeah, like... And so, like, like, yeah. Like, just any sort of, like, childhood, innocent childhood toy becomes then just things of nightmares. Absolutely things of nightmares. No, yeah. No. Ugh. Not interested. No. Annabelle, man. No, I feel like I feel again. My, I feel like I feel like my car is my answer because I feel like it would take me places I don't want to go. I would never be able to use my car. Then it becomes useless. <laughs> See, and when I think of things possessing cars, I think of Knight Rider, the show. But <laughs> <laughs> but this is on the haunted side, so I would tend to agree. This is probably not a thing that you would want. No, because I would like I, I, my car is a very much a staple in my life as a piece of freedom. If you were to possess right. my car and I can no longer use it for what it's needed for, I would no longer want my vehicle and I would be a fucking, I would be pissed. Yes. yes. The sense of dread every time you need to get to work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, we could go like super gross and super creepy like we normally do, but I felt like I was going to be a little PG for that one. <laughs> well, I dropped that. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I mean, with your mom joke? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So as mentioned previously, Eidolons and how they differ from poltergeists. However, it is key to note that the most things um, like in Theros and other books, um, they usually are represented from a piece of our history, right? So these things actually come from Greek history and Greek mythology. In real life, idolins exist in stories and myths told um, within their historian writings, and they are re represented much the same as they are, as basically being energies and in things that inhabit other beings and or other objects, uh, much like de demonic possession, like as we represent it in today's age. However, the key difference to note is that it isn't always believed to be something bad in the histories. I myself am a very spiritual person. We all know this. I do believe that the moon has an impact on our sacks of water bodies that walk this earth, of course. Um, but it is always barred in mind that spirits and energy as a whole are not inherently evil or malicious. In fact, the Eidolans of the Greek times were usually thought to be basically people that deliver messages or uh, present a solution to an idea for someone in need, as well as thought to be possibly a spirit having its last visit before crossing over to the after afterlife. So that's nice. It, yeah, sometimes it can be very sweet. Sometimes it's sometimes not so much, depending on whoops they're visiting. You know what I mean? But again, that, it also means that they're also thought to be fleeting and temporary, not necessarily consistently possessive of something or sticking around, unless that's how you build them or want them to be that way. Um, but in Greek history, not so much. They are here for a message. They're here to do a thing. They have a mission. Once that mission is complete, they eat, right? Um, another visage of these things is that they don't actually take over a body or someone or something, but they're actually a spectral holographic version of somebody, much like a doppelganger or like a poltergeist turned doppelganger, basically. In fact, a common historical story is that Helen of Troy was actually an island dealing with the war while her physical body remained kidnapped somewhere else. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And anybody who knows the story of, you know, Troy and Helen and, you know, what, what was his name? What was the guy? What was what was the man's name that that fell for her and caused the war over love? What was his name? Paris. 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 Paris started war over the fact that he loved this potential spectral being. <laughs> Take that. Uh, <laughs> it's not real. It's not real. But it was real to him. Love is fake. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> love is fake. Fake news. Fake news. Uh, but anyways, that's kind of like how they are represented within Greek mythology. Um, not necessarily a negative being, super positive. Again, very fleeting messages, all that kind of good stuff. I would like to, um, sorry, sorry just I just realized a note that I wrote down here. I'm just going to say it for funsies because I feel like it's hilarious. I would like to blame every mental breakdown I have with my partners with the, my idol and did it. <laughs> It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I was possessed. It was my specter. It was my spectral doppelganger. I feign innocence. I've done nothing wrong. All right, well, let's go over how this kind of fits in today's D&D 5th edition world of Eidolons. So, brass tacks, you can find them in the Mordenkainen's Monster Manual with a brief description. Uh, they are thought to be basically God-created as protectors of sacred grounds or treasures. Uh, and remember that gods themselves within 5th edition can be good or evil, so depending on the belief system, 
these things can be good or they can be evil, just dependent, right? And I do feel this feeds nicely into the concept that the Greek ones weren't always evil. But the idea is that if an intruder sets foot into a sacred grounds or tampers with a sacred item that it's supposed to be protecting, these Eidolons will take over a sacred statue and utilize that physical body to run them off the ground or grounds that are sacred or just destroy whoever the intrusion is coming from. But let's run down what an Eidolon looks like, uh, stats-wise, on its own. These are medium undead creatures of any alignment, very specifically writes it in the book. They have an AC of 9, a small hit point pool of 63, and they can't walk, but they have a hover slash fly speed of 40. Uh, below average in strength, dex, and con, but above average in intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, with a plus 2, plus 4, and plus 3. But remember, they are spectral. These are basically ghosts, so that means that they have a fuck ton of resistances and immunities. They are resistant to acid, fire, lightning, thunder, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons. They're immune to cold, necrotic, and poison, as well as being charmed, exhausted, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, and restrained. Nice. Well done. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> they have dark vision and have a passive perception of 18. Uh, they know all languages that they knew in their life, and they basically this all together makes them a wonderful CR of 12. Wow. Yeah. That's beefy. It's, it's, it, but it sounds like a lot, but it's actually not a lot. It's because <laughs> you're basically fighting a ghost that you can't hit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it sounds like they have a lot, but they actually don't. Because when you get into their actual abilities, they don't have a lot going for them. Um, they have incorporeal movement, which we've talked about before with the undead and some of the more spectral ghosty ones. All this means is that they can basically walk through anything, but they will take force damage uh, if they end their space occupying an object or a person. Right. They have turn resistance, so they have resistance against anything that turns undead. So again, fuck you, cleric. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and the classic undead nature of just not eating, not needing air, food, drink, or sleep. And then for actions, all they have is what's called divine dread, which is anyone within 60 feet of them that can see the Eidolon must make a wisdom saver 15 or be frightened. That's all oh, they okay. have. They can't okay. attack you. They can't attack you. But what they can do and where it gets fun is what's called the sacred animation. So this is the part where they can move into an object and basically inhabit it and utilize what's called a sacred statue stat block and utilize that to attack someone. Right, okay. Yeah. So they are literally a ghost that's just hanging out. Can't do shit. If you see it, it's going to scare you. But it can't hit you. It can't injure you. You can barely hit it unless you have something very special and very specific. And if you see it, like it's one of those things that just doesn't, you won't see it. It's a ghost, right? Um, so... Hmm. When it inhabits a stat, like a sacred statue, this is the stat block thus. Uh, they become a large construct. An AC bumps up to 19. Their HP jumps up to an average of 100. There's, they now have a walking speed of 25, because let's just be real, they're a giant slow statue. Yeah. Uh, their strength jumps up to plus 4, their constitution plus 4, and all other stats stay the same. So that means that their wisdom, intelligence, and charisma are still way above average. So it's not like some other undead creatures where we see sometimes their intelligence, their wisdom, and charisma drop because they've entered into something else or they've shifted. They maintain their intelligence and creativity and that kind of piece, but now they're just beefed just up by being right. inside of a statue. Okay. Basically, they've ad adhered armor, essentially, yeah. is what's happened. They're just like, they've, like, done some Transformer shit where they've just, like... The Transformer noise just this. happened in my head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it did. <laughs> I was going to try and iterate it, but <laughs> decided not to. 
Uh, all other immunities and resistances remain the same, so you're still fighting something that you can barely hit, which fucking sucks. Uh, but they have added abilities now. So they have something called false appearance. So this is if the statue is motionless and you haven't noticed that it's there yet. Uh, it will get advantage on initiative rolls. And it has a DC save of 18, 18 intelligence to even know if it's an ordinary object or not. So even if you see the ghost go into an object and disappear, it's a DC 18 save for you to know that it's done a thing. You might just think it's gone. Yep. Like oh, it disappeared. It disappeared. It's fine. It's gone. This is cool. So, or you know. it was one of those, like, wispy things that you see in your peripherals, and you're like, was Ooh. that actually a thing? Yeah. yeah. So, fuck Ooh. you, Dan. If you see this go into a statue, you don't know what it is, unless you roll a DC 18 intelligence saving throw. Mm-hmm. They also have what's called ghostly inhabitation. If the island statue drops to zero hit points, uh, or is dis- or a dispel good and evil spell is used, the island is then ejected from the object and just appears five feet away. So oh, so you can force it back out. Yeah, by k- dropping it to zero hit points or using the dispel good and evil spell specifically. Okay. And would you think to do that? I mean, if you were a wizard and you saw an animated statue, I mean, I would probably be like. I would probably do dispel magic first, and if that didn't work, I'd be like, okay, well, fuck that, can't do anything, and then maybe if you're the DM, give them the grace of a roll, you know what I mean? (laughs) But, uh, and then on top of that, for attacks, it has a multi-attack with a slam or rock attacks. Uh, Get this, it's a plus eight to hit with the slam, with an average of 43 damage. You could do that twice. Oh my god. Here's the kicker, though. It's a ten-foot reach. Uh, its rock attack is a 60-foot range attack with a plus 8 to hit with an average of 37 damage. Okay, so it's just, well, it's whacking you over the head, like, with a you're gonna, stone you're gonna, hand and arm. You're getting rocked by rocks. And then, yeah, <laughs> it's just gonna, like, crack off its hand and whip it at you. So, yeah, I get it that it's that much damage. But <laughs> damn. I understand. Damn it. Yeah. Ooh, okay. It's yeah, because, yeah, you're basically turning into a giant rock statue and being like, I'm gonna hit stuff now. Yeah. So, yeah. And the, the worst part is, is that once you've, once you've killed it, like killed the statue itself, it just ejects itself and it still has full health as an Eidolon. Yeah. So it could just like pop back into another statue. Until you kill the Eidolon. Until you kill it. Or leave. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the way I read it and the way it's structured in my brain is that their goal is to make you leave. They don't necessarily want to kill you. Yeah, they, they just, just want to be left alone. They're like, There's, get out of the sacred space. Yeah. They're sending a message, and the yeah. message is, GTFO. Get the fuck yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Get yeah. The, totally. Get out of my castle. And by my castle, I mean whoever made me's castle. Yeah. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so this is the point where we're going to roll some dice. I rolled oh, 16. Boy. Two. 13. Okay, so I'm going to answer my own question first. <laughs> And like, it'd be like that. It'd be like that. All right, so the first question always uh, that we like to consider is storyline. So any kind of quests, one-shots, campaigns, what kind of tier to run this in. I think that this can be run with a low-tiered group, should you choose to, because, again, it's a warning sign. It teaches them that they mm-hmm. could, they be, that you're, you're probably going to face lethal things, mm-hmm. right? Um, but they might be smart enough to run away from it or leave and find something stronger or find a way to dispel right. it and then come back. Might is the operative word, but again, I feel like the actual thing itself is soft enough mm-hmm. that it's beatable. Because again, it, like even even in its statue form, it only has about a hundred. Mm-hmm. 
So as long as you can hit it in some way, shape, or form, the only problem is is that you can't hit it with non-magical means. So you yeah. at least have to be at the tier, like, low tier 2 into tier 3 where you're giving your players magical, magical items. items. Or at least one <laughs> of them have a magical item. Yeah. Or this could be um, the the folks in, like, you maybe you're on a treasure hunt to find your magical MacGuffin item, and you get into, like, the treasure air trove area, and it's protecting it, but your goal is to get to the treasure chest at the end of the room. So now you're fighting these statues while trying to get to the magical weapons that will eventually assist you in fighting the statues themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, the thing to remember is that these are created by gods. Yeah. If you kill them near a lower tiered party, it's going to kick off a longer storyline of now there's a god out here. Yeah, out there's to a get wrath you. of god. Right. Yeah. Right. Because they're going to be like, I felt a ruffle. Oh, and my feathers. My <laughs> feathers are ruffed. What's <laughs> happening? What has happened? <laughs> <laughs> I feel flustered all of a sudden. <laughs> or what was it that I what was it that I said during an edited episode where you if you shiver it's because someone has stepped on your grave? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one else understood that. I always thought that it was um, if you shiver it was because an angel flew over your grave. Interesting. That's how I always heard it, but no, I said the, like a physical being stepped on your future mm. grave is how I understood it. Anyway, so we've we've talked about that at length <laughs> because I find it like it's just yes. weird learning yeah. those things that you grew up with. And be like, yeah. oh, shit, right? Everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, man, someone's just stepped on my grave. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> this would be the same thing. You'd be a god sitting there being like, oh, <laughs> something's missing. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd, you'd be like, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, I need to find out which one of my treasure troves has been broken into. Yeah. <laughs> it must be on the mainland. I can feel it. Oh, man. So that's mine. So Ellie, what are your thoughts on uh, quests, one shots, possible campaign or tier to run in? What are your thoughts here? As you were talking about it, I definitely thought very much the same thing um, going after magical item, you know, and that is essentially your puzzle. These are designed to send messages, to protect, to they they have a specific singular purpose. And I think that that's one of the great things about this is is really the versatility of it. Yeah. Uh, You could throw these anywhere mm-hmm. to absolutely screw with someone yeah um and watch them fluster watch your, watch your party be flustered and continuously like, like and and continuously <laughs> get more and more heated as it possesses more and more statues like you think of like a, a hall of a suit of armors yeah mm-hmm. as it's just bouncing from one to another or you know hall of statues or something along those lines and as you just think that you've got it yeah, it's like the Zelda yeah. dungeon thing. Essentially, yeah. yeah, and it just keeps right? coming at you. And like your your spellcasters have popped off all their stuff, and they're like, "Yeah," because the statue crumbles, and yeah. then you walk and by, and then you hear something behind you, and the next statue starts to move. Yeah. And this is closer. To, this is closer to the end of your dungeon crawl as well, because you're closer to your objective right. of obtaining whatever treasure you want, and so you've already exhausted on some of the lower level. Um, or some of the smaller battles that you've had as you're just absolutely slugging your way through this dungeon crawl. And at what point do you, you know, run? At, right? what, at what point is it, you know, you know, tuck your tail and turn and be like, we're, we're going to try this again, maybe yeah. in six months. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about you, Casey? Well, I always go to, like, information. Yeah. And this is one of the unique situations where... These actually don't have, like, if you're looking for information from when they were alive, say, like, mm. like we know that these I- there's this group of Eidolons from, say, a massacre mm-hmm. or something, 
and they have come and they are inhabiting this area, if you go in and try and get information from them, this is where they won't have any because they basically leave behind, not by choice really, of all of the stuff that they knew when they were alive. Mm -hmm. And their purpose is anything that they have decided is their purpose in death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, gotta go with trauma, right? We love trauma. We love trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Your family member, sibling, blah, 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 was part of this massacre, and you know that their idolin is in this region. You find it, and it has no acknowledgement it knows you. It's not trying to fight you, because they're just, like there but then Mm -hmm. you walk and you pick up the thing that it has been told to protect or whatever suddenly you are fighting your like family member or whomever maybe it was your master of Mm -hmm. training whatever um and you have no choice and you may use many a turn to try and convince them that no you know me you know me Idolins don't have that connection. No. At all. No. It's a lost cause. No emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like fun as a DM, Mm -hmm. (laughs) traumatizing for a particular player character. Um, And it might cause the combat to twist a little bit because one might be convinced, no, I'm going to keep trying, keep trying. It's like, a wasted effort, but you do what you're gonna do. I also love the idea that you keep trying, keep trying, the battle wages on, a party member in your team dies. You're on sacred ground. Oh. The person who dies now becomes an idol and finds the next closest object. Oh my god! And habits yeah. that. And now not only you're fighting your family member you're and trying to like, your you're now member. fighting your party member. Yeah, and, it will and just keep doing that. And, and they just, don't know yeah, any of you. Yeah. They're cycle. like, what the fuck, John? <laughs> Kevin. And then they are just like glazed over. No, like yeah. they have no connection to you yeah. whatsoever. It's like we just. <laughs> yeah, we, we just talked about right. This. So it's a. F- it could be a fun twist to mess with, do some mind fuckery yeah. with that in a storyline. Yeah. Ultimately, though, the reason that you're coming down here is really not to get information from them because it's futile. So yeah. it would be kind of cruel for a DM to do that and then it's like, haha, you don't get anything. <laughs> you get nothing. No MacGuffins and you're all dead. No, it's, it's just, yeah. Have just a nice Friday trauma. night. Trauma. <laughs> Emotional damage, move on. Yeah. yeah. You gotta have some sort of reward like that. Like there is a treasure or there is something it's... that comes out of it. Yeah. Some sort of story builder yeah very true all right next point is talking about social aspects so anywhere from like hints um for role-playing things like that uh i feel like you kind of spoke to a little bit earlier kind of what i wanted to say of they aren't going to necessarily talk to you unless it is to tell you to get the fuck out yeah Mm -hmm. or like the most i think they will tell you is like in the name of whatever god has created them so you might get some information about what kind of land you're on or, like, they would have the basic information of what kind of temple you're in. Uh, it will know what it's protecting. So it'll be like, no, don't go after that. Or don't touch this or don't touch that, right? Like, it's... I think of the Cavern of Wonders. Of yes! From, yes. You have to forbidden yeah. <laughs> treasure! Yes, you just hear that boom yeah. in your head. And that's just yes. the one thing the Eidolon has been trained to say. Yeah. In multiple languages just or something like that. must protect, must protect. Must protect, must yep. protect. You constantly hear that. And that's going to be the hint that that's something... This is the kind of thing that you're dealing with. Yeah. Because anyone who does play D&D and who has ever researched these things will know that it has one purpose and one person on, purpose only. 
and that's to protect whatever it's protecting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, role-playing is going to be tough as a DM, uh, and I think the hints aspect is going to be, like, there's going to be a hell of a lot of statues around. And there's going to be a hell, hell of a lot of broken statues around. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're walking through a dungeon, you might be noticed that the first couple of rooms you go into, all the statues are broken. But then the yeah. first room you go into, there's a statue. So there's one statue out there's of five. Just a single statue. And that statue comes to life and you destroy it. And you're like, huh, interesting. Yeah. And you go into the next room and all six statues exist. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, they didn't make it this far. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, Ellie, what about you? Anything to add? Um, I would just say like building off of that, it might also be a really good tool to use if you have a party that is fumbling to try and pick up the hints that you're trying to drop. Mm-hmm. You're trying to lead them in a sp- specific direction to further the plot. You want them as a DM to be able to get these magical items, to be able to do this. Yeah. They're not picking up what you've been putting down for the last couple of, uh, you know, less, last couple of episodes, things like that. Okay, let's kind of throw this on them. Let's, they're specifically designed to protect this one thing. They might actually pick it up now. Yeah. <laughs> that they're like, oh, this is really being heavily protected. <laughs> Maybe this is what we want. This might be a MacGuffin. <laughs> this might be a thing. <laughs> so it could also be like, you could use it for those things of trauma, but you could also use it as uh, guiding your party along so that they're actually progressing the plot and achieving those objectives. Right. Yeah. Because could you use them? Okay. Yes. I'm building off of you in a bit of a twist. So say you've been told you need to find the, we'll say the ghost, like it's just being basic. Um, You find the ghost with the something like a brooch. That's a certain shape or an emblem, because I believe if they're like a corporeal version of, is that the right word? Of Corpor- Incorporeal? No. It, it would be a corporeal is you can touch it, you can feel it. Okay, no. So, like, the ghost in, version. An, in, the an spectral. Inco- an incorporeal, the, the spectral oh, version. The spectral <laughs> incorporeal. Okay. It's it, a ghost, Casey. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> try to be too technical. We're going basic. Yeah. Um, say you need to navigate through this dungeon, this crypt, whatever, to f- actually trigger this specific mm-hmm. ghost and it has to have this certain symbol and it will lead you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And so not necessarily having ill will to attack if you like, um, like it's, tr- it's trying to protect no one gets it, mm-hmm. but it has to be a specific person or a specific mm-hmm. thing that goes to get it. To meet its criteria. And so it has met, and been like, been like, not no, but <laughs> no. it's like, but it's like, you you are not the people that I'm supposed to lead, and it just fades away, and mm. then it shows up because everyone gets to a certain point and triggers it, and it comes out, and then when you see the right symbol, there's something you do that then it goes, and then it just moves. And this is where I'm going to Lego Harry Potter. Have you guys played Lego Harry Potter? I have played Lego games, and I think I know where, where you're going you with fo- this. You follow the spectral thing once you've think achieved Lenders something. Think Legend of Zelda in the in the, uh, <laughs> the well. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. it's like <laughs> you have down. triggered the right things. You see the right ghost, and it's yeah. like, and then it just turns and doesn't attack you, and you follow it through, and it actually is the only one that can take you through the right. And direction. there's traps and things you like popping off as you're running, going right? Through like a labyrinth. Yeah. Or, yeah. So it's yeah. maybe a spin-off of the not necessarily just attack when triggered yeah. or attack when you get too close to the thing is protecting, but a way that's like. Only the, like... Chosen. The chosen, yes. Mm-hmm. The chosen who know the right thing or or whatever mm-hmm. then get led through. Could and also, the party happens to have that person. Well, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> if we think about it, because you compared it to Lego Harry Potter. Yeah. We compared it to um, <laughs> Zelda. Zelda, which in the well, you meet the ghost and you chase yeah. it through the thing to get the weapon and the MacGuffin. But you can only see it with a very specific item. Yes. So what uh, if yeah. you have to be a very specific faith? Like, let's say your cleric or your paladin yes. is the only or, one that can see it. Yeah, you're you're following that specific right. god who has created this idol. Yeah, so now, right? now not yes. only are you running through all these traps, you have to keep this person alive because you're the only one that can see them. Yeah. yeah. You're following the paladin. They, they've received some sort of blessing from their god. Yeah. Or it could yeah. be like when you were talking about like the brooch and things like that. I was thinking like like the a go- symbol like, or well, like the, or like the god has like they have gone to the temple. They have communed with you know that god. The god has given them a token of yes. their own and said like this is where you need to go. You will know when you find it. Yeah, yeah. And then you're led through. Absolutely amazing. So cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that being said, next section is the impact that it could potentially have on the environment. So thinking of like exploration, environments, evidence, loot, clues. So I spoke a little bit about how you'd see the statues being broken yeah. as you were going through. Yeah. And all the weapons and stuff will be missing as you're going through a dungeon, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, the only other thing I can really think of is, you know, you might actually hear about them. Yeah. Right? Like you're in the town or the city that's at the base of the mountain and the temple's yeah. at the top of the mountain. And you hear about mysteries of like, oh, well, no one's really ever gotten to the center of the temple because there's these weird beings that, that you know, yeah. possess the items and like mm-hmm. statues. They just tell you about them. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're going to learn how to handle them. Yeah. Right. But at least you're going to kind of have a clue or a hint of like what you're coming across. So if you know you're coming across ghosts, yeah, you're going to have to figure out how to hit a ghost. Well, and right. is your brain immediately going to go Eidolon? No. Or is it going to go Wraith or Spectre or something that is a little bit more commonly known? Like, you hear (laughs) hoofs, you think horses, not zebras. Yeah. That's fair. You know, so you're not really quite going to know what you're going to be walking into as well. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, But Ellie, on that note, anything else to add? Um, No. We've we've been pretty adventurous (laughs) so far with these things. Yeah, especially, like, when we're talking about the sacred statue, if we're sticking with statues, that's the perfect indicator. Yes. Broken statues. The further you get, you start to see non-broken statues. Yeah. And probably the party won't even really pick up on it until it's too late, or or then after the fact, like, oh. Well, and it's one of those things that has, like, flavor if... Your part. If someone in your party rolls a high enough perception as they're going through, they you know you might note kind of in the first couple of two rooms, there's mm-hmm. there's one or two yeah. broken statues, and they're just gonna think that it's you know kind of one of those. It's part of the ambiance yeah. of you know the area that they're in and things like that. And as they're going further and further in, they're noticing more and more broken statues, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's 
you know, they walk into that room with the four or five broken statues and there's a single one standing there and they're like, well, that's weird. Like, like out of place. Yeah. yeah, out of place. And so would it be one of those, they know that they're searching for something particular and they're thinking, oh, maybe it's hidden in one of these statues and people have sli- like started and they found something in like the fifth statue and they didn't try, let's try the sixth statue. Totally. Let's try and attack, like, let's try and crumble that sixth statue or something yeah. like that. And, and it then attacks it, back. Yeah, yeah, totally. And if you, if your party figures it out uh, early enough, like, what if, I don't know, the cleric or something figures out what's going on and it just tells the barbarian, like, go at it. That was going to be my combat strategy. Every yeah. fucking yeah. <laughs> statue we come across until we find the inhabitant or exactly. whatever. And yeah. so then the barbarian just goes and smashes and then and suddenly is, one like stops the smash and he is just having the best day of right? his life. Yeah. yeah. No, and like cuz I was going to be out what I put on cuz the, the next section is yeah. combat yeah. and strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's <laughs> same kind of thing. Like if yeah. you if you find out that you're fighting one of these things even mid combat it would be the cleric turning to the barbarian being like, no, crush every statue here. However, yeah. comma, these things can inhabit, in my mind, any object. Yeah. So yes. now all of your weapons are at risk. Anything yeah. that you were wearing oh, on your body is at yeah. risk. You are at risk because you've now destroyed all these statues. You were at risk. So it's almost like, yes, the smart thing to do would be destroy all the statues so there's nowhere to go. However, now you have put your cleric at risk. You have put your paladin at risk. I have it's going watched to... this horror movie. I know. <laughs> it is ho- the horror movies of all horror oh movies. Oh, my God. Because then all of a sudden, yes, the statues are destroyed. And it go, great, all we have to do is kill this one statue and it's gone. Statue falls. This thing gets pushed out, out like yeeted out like it normally would. It's still alive and has nowhere to go. Yeah. It is going to find the strongest one in the room. Yes. Okay, that show with Denzel Washington. It's so old and it has that song in it. Time is on my side. Yes, it I is. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Okay, no. that is the most fucked up. Is it That is exactly what happens. <laughs> Hold on here. Let me look it up. So let me Denzel Washington? Yes. I don't know. That's it's a like call 20 years. Fallen? Sure. The movie Fallen. Uh, yes, in, yes, yeah. it is. Yes. 1998. Oh my god. Okay, I dated myself, but it's fine. I, it not, is... a, not a day over 21. Okay, <laughs> so you're fine. <laughs> yes, that's what happens in that movie. There is this, there is this thing, this spirit, this thing that goes into people, controls them, and if you kill them, it just pops out and moves to the next one. And so... Spoiler, it's 1998. <laughs> in the end, they, like, pull it to the middle of nowhere to mm-hmm. be like, okay, and then I'm going to kill myself, and it will have no have nothing, nothing to inhabit, to inhabit and so. it goes in a fucking squirrel. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> so it's not there. And the indicator of who's it's inhabiting is they start singing that song. And so they bounce from different people, and yeah. then the people start singing that song. Oh, I hate it. Oh, my God. You guys should watch it. Holy <laughs> shit, guys. It's a good show. <clears throat> okay, sorry. Right. That was a big tangent. That's okay. Um, that, do- that does, like, fit most, like, combat strategies. Either of you have anything to add for combat strategies for this one? I feel like I've said enough. <laughs> I feel like I forget. I feel like, I feel like we ripped this one to, like, yeah. to shreds and yeah. smithereens. We so. got it. Yeah, it looks like we're going to be moving on to a couple of different versions of Eidolons. Yes, okay, so we are diving into the mythic Odyssey's 
Odysseys. Odysseys? Odysseys? The mythic Odysseys of Theros book. Yeah. Heavy in this section I want to dive into. Well, it makes um, sense. We're talking about Greek history a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah. So, but this, yeah. this is the book. Um, so in Undead episode number 10, we did deep dive into The Returned. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend. But as a refresher, the returned are creatures that have escaped the underworld and dwell among the living, but in doing so, lose their face and lose their identity as a result of having followed the path of Phoenix. So they wear golden masks. That's a very clear indicator of that they they are uh, the returned. Mm -hmm. And they cannot form long-term memories or meaningful relationships. And their identities manifest separately into idolins. And so the returned are just the being and their identity is the idolin. They are spirit-like and retain some skills and knowledge from their past lives, but really don't look back only forwards into what their undead life becomes. They aren't interested in finding their old self, they're not interested in finding the returned, their old body. Mm-hmm. Um, living relationships either. And like the returned, they just exist, but choose to wander aimlessly where the returned want to actually connect. They just can't because they have no capability of having memory. Fair. Too sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Too bad, so sad. Yeah, so that's the specific Eidolon descriptor in um, the Theros book. Mm-hmm. And specifically, there is the flitter step idolin. And so this is the most common idolin. And simply, perhaps tragically, they wander without purpose, like the returned. Mm-hmm. So into the stat block of a flitter step idolin is medium undead, can be any alignment. So they're they're very, very similar to the classic Eidolon that you described, Megan. Mm-hmm. They have an AC of 14. Hit point average is only 44. They have a speed of 40 feet. So I feel like that's because they probably like float. They like they have a float <laughs> speed, yeah. <laughs> they flitter. They flitter. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's maybe a rare time where a medium creature moves faster than the average player character. Um, but these are a CR of three. Like, they're just, they're just existing there. They're really basic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> basic bitches. Yeah. When it comes to abilities, um, it's quite a range. Starting at the lowest, they have a minus one to strength, and then plus zero to charisma and intelligence, plus one to con and wisdom, and then a whopping plus four to dex. So it really is indicative to their nature in that they don't want to be in combat. They want to evade. They want to be stealthy. Going into skills, they have a plus eight to stealth. They do not want to interact with you. Mm -hmm. They just want to move about and be unknown. They also have a plus three to perception. They have a pretty good list of damage resistances. Not quite as good as yours Mm. earlier, (laughs) but... They have damage resistance to necrotic, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing of from non-magical attacks. Yeah. Damage immunity to poison. Condition immunities including charmed, exhaustion, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, and restrained. 
They're slippery motherfuckers. Yeah, anything physical. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, if you try and get at them, they're just going to and be gone. Yeah. Um, they have a passive perception of 13, and they know the languages they knew in life. So if we get into their abilities, again, very similar to what you described already. Uh, one, they have blurred form, which means attack rolls against the Eidolons are made with disadvantage unless it is incapacitated. Mm-hmm. It has evasion, which any, if you have a rogue in your party, you know this, this ability. Um, it means it can make a deck save and only take half damage on a fail and no damage on a success. So it also can't use this if it's incapacitated. Mm-hmm. It has incorporeal movement, like ghosts, it can move through other creatures and objects. They are considered difficult terrain for them, but it will take 1d10 force damage if it ends its turn inside an object. And I know ghosts also do some wild, like, stat damage. This mm-hmm. doesn't do that. It's mm-hmm. just, they just can move through you. Okay. They have turn resistance, where it has advantage on saving throws against any effect that turns undead. This is, I think, across the board for Eidolons. Yep. Um, and undead nature as well, where um, the Eidolon does not require air, food, drink, or sleep. So it does have um, a few actions that are for attack. It has the flickering dagger. This is a melee weapon attack, plus six to hit, five foot reach, one target, it deals 1d4 plus 4 piercing damage plus 1d6 psychic damage on a hit. It has Flitter Step, which has a recharge of 5, five to 6. It's it's Misty Step. The <laughs> Eidolon can teleport to an unoccupied space. It can see within 30 feet of it. If it attacks after it Flitter Steps, the attack has advantage. Because mm. it's like, surprise. Like, yeah. poof, you show up and you slash. Um, or dagger, dagger, dagger. Stabby stab. <laughs> stabby stab. Um, it also does have multi-attack, so it can use its flickering dagger in two attacks, and it can use flitter step before or after one of its attacks. So it can kind of stabby stab and stabby stab someone else. Yeah. So it has a bit more, it's all dex. It's a rogue. It's, it's, a, it's like, a ghost it's rogue. a ghost, ghost rogue. rogue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ghost rogue with pixie dust. Yeah, like flitter step just makes it sound so kind of lovely. When when you said flitter step instead of missy step, it it just poofs into like some sparkles. It does, yes, yeah, and that's that's the extent of it. Like it's not high CR, but um, it could shock you, and it really will not attack you until like it has to. It will be like, leave me alone, please, don't touch me. And then, but if it does, it's got, it's got a decent, like, multi-attack always makes things more dangerous. Yeah. That's fair. That's where we at. All right. You've got another one? Yeah. Yeah. So the other one that uh, is outlined in Odysseys of Theros as well um, is the Ghostblade Eidolon. Um, So a lot of similarities um, from your basic Eidolon and your Flitterstep Eidolon, um, but it's a little bit beefier. Uh, Ghostblade Eidolons, um, they are the identity of souls essentially trying to breach the underworld. Um, They're often those of fallen warriors. So they're, they're a little bit more kind of in line with 
um, what uh, what Megan was talking about from kind of ancient Greece of there to send a message, but they're they're the warriors essentially. Endless battle, like endless. Yeah, like, so that's exactly no. yeah. So <laughs> so you know, uh, similar to other idolins, you know, ghost blades are drawn to areas with significance to them, uh, either in life or death. Ooh, okay. And uh, because of these, their identities of fallen warriors, uh, they are often drawn to battlefields and endless war. So they're a little bit of a tortured soul in that sense. Trauma. Bring <laughs> on building on that trauma. On yeah, trauma. so so Ghostblade Idolins, um, their stat block, again, they are medium undead. Um, they can be any alignment. Uh, they have an armor class of 12. Um, they have hit points. They have 55 hit points. Um, and they do only have a speed of 30, so a little bit slower than the flitter steps. Their stats... Um, they have a constitution, intelligence, and wisdom of plus one. Uh, their charisma and dex is plus two, and they have a strength of three. Okay. Um, so really kind of leaning more into that fighter style. Um, yeah, at least above average. Or at least above, yeah, yeah, at least above average on everything. Um, their skills, they've got a plus five to acrobatics, and they've got a plus six to athletics, mm. um, and they have a plus four in perception. Um, so very battlefield. They they really are going to stand in your way. Um, they have the same damage resistance as um, regular idolins and flitter steps. So necrotic, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from all non-magical items, or all non-magical attacks, I should say. Uh, they are immune to poison, and their condition immunities are the same: charmed, exhaustion, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, and restrained. Uh, they have a passive perception of 14. They do know all the languages that they knew in um, life, and they are a CR of 5. So they are a bit buffier. Yeah, which is a little bit harder to kill. Yeah. yeah. Um, like Flitter Step as well, they do have blurred form, incorporeal movement, and turn resistance. So Ghostblade Eidolon's actions, um, they have a Ghostblade, so that's their melee weapon attack. Uh, it is a plus 6 to hit with a 5 foot reach against one target. Uh, it's 8 points slashing damage plus 11 points force damage. On that boy, bad boy. Force and, damage, man. And they yeah. do also have multi-attack, so they can hit you twice with that. Oh. What's the average damage, sorry, on that one? Uh, average damage, so it's eight, uh, eight points plus 11, uh, eight points slashing and 11 force. How fun. So they're going to hit you with 19 points of bad news. Great. We love that. We love that about them. Yeah. That's the reason to, one of the reasons that they're a higher challenge rating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, neat. Yeah. Cool. Is that, is that them? That's them. That's them. All Short right. and sweet. All right, ladies, let's roll some dice and talk about these variant Eidolons. Choose your weapon. Ooh, Ooh. Almost a roll off. Who got no, the 20? I got the 20. You got the 20. Yeah. All right, so Casey's first. I'm going second. And then Ellie is coming in last. Coming in Love hot. It. All right, so as let's talk about storyline possibilities. This includes anything from quests, one-shot ideas, campaigns. What tier do you think you'd run them in? Any of those ideas. So, Casey, you can start us off. Neither of these are going to have any information for you, but they're going to... Hmm. Okay, flare steps. They're going to be the annoying... They're going to be the annoying little fairy thing. Like a pixie thing. They're a pixie. Yeah. They are the thing that are going to 
engage but not engage. Yeah. They're going to float around in the background. You're going to notice them out of the corner of your eye. Um, maybe you're going to catch one of them and then get into combat. And they can do decent damage, but that's not their objective. They're they're inhabiting an area for whatever reason. It might not even be instructed. They just felt like not going anywhere else. Fair enough. So they're there. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be an entertaining introduction to ghosts or things to the campaign if you haven't done that before, because they're a, a low challenge rating. Um, that could be helpful. And it could be something that, like, I always like being on the road. <laughs> I know you do, baby. I, I like the encounters, the yeah. random, anything could happen. So I feel like this could also be one of those. It's like, oh, this is like, we're going, it looks like it used to be maybe an abandoned village. There's mm. maybe some, like, weird, um, like, a weird cemetery. You could see there's a bunch of graves around the back. And then... You do. You go through there. You see some weird flutterings, flitterings. <laughs> yeah. And then you walk further, and you get to a open field. Say there's like a hill, and then a vantage point. Probably perfect for you know a battle that might have happened mm-hmm. a thousand years ago. And you traverse through because that's where the trail goes. And then you start to notice there's more intrusive beings or spirits or yeah. ghosts. It's almost like their their job is to like like wispy like the yeah. will they wisps will o wisps yeah. to yeah. guide you into the forest right? like away yeah. from your party or whatever because yeah. you're just following this weird yeah pretty sparkly thing. Right. Yeah. I feel like that is that is the extent of the flutter step. And then if you go if you go directly into the fray of where the ghost blades are around, they're gonna be like oh, yes. Yeah. Because they are looking for that combat. Yeah, They're yeah. looking for, it's like, oh, we have a new battle. Like, I feel like they would, like, the DM could have a lot on their side just having fun with it. Because they'd be like, like, line up, like, marching. Yeah. And, marching like, they order. would line up and then wait for the wave to attack, then yeah. walking up. Surprise attacks. Amazing. That's where I'm going with that on love the storyline. <laughs> um, I was thinking along the lines of, because we love a good wizard's tower. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was thinking along the lines of the base of it, like a necromancy wizard's tower. There's just mm. miles and miles of desolate, desecrated land. Mm-hmm. And everyone just thinks it's empty and, like, there's nothing there. But, like, the wizard specifically chose this place because that desecrated ground is an old battlefield. Mm-hmm. Where there are hundreds and thousands of these things just flipping and floating about. Uh, and to get to the wizard's tower, your first challenge is to cross over these lands. Yeah. And figure out how to get across them. Yeah. And, like, it can be, like, you know that they're there, you know that exists, or what have you, or you just happenstance across it because you're going in between towns, um, and your team decided to go left instead of right. Like, you can throw something like that in there. Even if not a wizard's tower, like an old witch's, witch's hut. Yeah. Like a hag's hut sitting Anything somewhere. Anything that's just a little bit unnerving like not necessarily gravely evil just like we avoid that area because so and so yeah we don't talk about this area <laughs> gives a funky feeling yeah yeah 100 what about you ellie any other thoughts um it was really i mean with the ghost blade idolins it's really that that battleground and it's really um they're drawn to the battle and things like that 
but it's almost like they have unfinished business as well. Um, And it could be where any battle occurred. It it could be. It could be. A big thing that came to mind as I was uh, reading about the Ghostblade Idolins is in Lord of the Rings at the very end. Uh Uh-huh. With the ghost army. Under the mountain? Under the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So that really kind of... Was like you. I feel were, like we've talked were, about them. You were you were you were battling yeah. a army yeah. of undead. undead. Yeah, you really are. Whose sole purpose is to protect and not let you get what you need to get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, love it. Next point is social. So hints or any role playing tips and tricks for DMs. Yeah, the flitter step pretty easy. They're going to be in your per- peripherals. So they're your rogues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna. They're gonna be there if you roll. If the one of the players rolls really high on perception, you're gonna describe like you see, you know, something wispy. Something's there, but you can't catch a full view of it. Yeah, for a split second, you saw a, like a physical being, and it's gone behind a tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the ghost blades. I feel like they are going to be a bit more upfront, where you you are gonna be a like surprise attacked by them. Yeah you're going to stroll in and not realize they're there until they're attacking te- attacking you, mm-hmm. I think. Um, in terms of role-playing them, though, like, yeah, the Ghost Blade might have a little more context and you can try and interact with them more, but the flitter steps are going to be really annoying. Yeah. They're just yeah. going to be like, we don't know why we're here. This is just where we are. We are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, don't hit us. We, we don't want you here. Yeah, I feel like the, like, if you're going to think about it in, like, brass tacks, if you're going to be uh, role-playing with um, the flitter steps, play them like a rogue. If you're going to be yeah. playing uh, the um, the ghost... The ghost blades. Ghost blades, play them like a barbarian. Play them yeah. like a barbarian or a fighter. Or a fighter yeah. or something yeah. along those lines, right? Like, that's just how, as Battle a DM, you're going to... Yeah. yeah, and you're going to be like, oh, I want to fight. Where if you're the, the wispy ones, you're going to be like, no, I just kind of want to move around and be, like, I hidden. I want to annoy them. Do I get my uh, my sneak attack, like, yeah. every two seconds? Like, shut up, rogues. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> well, what about you, Ellie? Anything you want to add to that? Having an army of Ghostblade idolids would definitely be a really good crescendo to the end of an arc as well. Yep. Um, you know, throwing that out there where, you know, your party is thinking that they've made it, they're done, they're on their last, you know, they're on the last little little bit that they've got to go. And then, uh, bam Here's a giant <laughs> army. Here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a giant army. It doesn't even need to be a giant army. Here's ten. Yeah. Here's ten of them. Here's ten of them that are just no. standing in your way. And that are just, just they're just a wall. A they're just they're just standing in a yeah. yeah they're just standing because they are there to guard. Yeah. yeah, they're there to guard. Yeah, and I I also like the idea of going back to the fact that the original version of Idolin would be very that's good or bad. Yeah, you know, so you could be coming across the ghost army of like a god of light. Yeah. Or something along those lines. Like, it's an actual, like, it's a crusade. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like a positive, like a positive, I yeah. say that in air quotes. Yeah. Crusade of, you know, like, and they're not dark looking, they're not dingy or scary looking, like, they're just, yeah. like, sorry, incorporeal <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, beings, right? And, I mean, because they can be any alignment, it's one of those things that could you shape it in a way that your party learns how to use them to their your advantage. advantage. Yeah. You know, yeah. do they do, decide to talk do, or do, do they yeah. just, do they listen to your cleric? Do they listen to your cleric? Do they listen? But do you realize like, 
you know, do you have really trigger happy, you know, do you have a really trigger happy party that you know that they might go in there metaphorically guns blazing Mm -hmm. and they're going to try and engage in combat with these. But the trick is they're set up for big bad evil because big bad evil, they died because of big bad evil. They were the last army that were marching against big bad evil. And the whole trick is realizing you can flip this around. These are your allies. Yeah. And you're now bringing in an army of Ghostblade Islands into battle with you because you realize that you have the same objectives. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. See, by the time you encounter these, you have a few NPCs in your group, yeah. which you do, and you don't realize that some of them are fucking evil. Yeah. And they target them, mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then that's your reveal, and is that they are like, how, how... How can we ally with you when you have them? Yeah. And it's like someone who follows the god that massacred them. Or yeah. whatever. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Good shit. Big reveal moment potential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All about those those big final scenes. Yeah. Those dramatic moments. Yeah. Uh, all right, final thing is strategy. So combat tactics, allies in battle, which we kind of we kind of touched on a couple yeah. of those ideas. But any kind yeah, of, like, we- like any other weapons that interest you or attacks that interest you? Yeah, like, I think the flare step, um, Eidolon has been given the dagger for a specific reason, mm-hmm. where it might actually get a few rounds in before you even see it. Because yeah. it will just do its, fl- like, use its flickering dagger and use flitter step. And, like, as a DM, you can be like, um... You roll for an attack, and then mm-hmm. a player, it's like, yeah, that hits. Okay, you take um, piercing and psychic damage. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, you over here, like, does, you know, 18 hit. Yes, it does. Okay, you take piercing and psychic damage, and then nothing's there. Yeah. So that could be really fun. <laughs> to play yeah, with. really fun. Because then it's like, and then the players are like, what the fuck is attacking us? And it's just... It's just, like, floating around, doing its yeah. thing. Yeah. That would be the funnest part of the flitter step, of course. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you can use a flitter step for more, like, um, battlefield manipulation, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to be able to find out where it is. You're going to be yeah. constantly fighting this, like, non-physical seeing being, and half your shit's not going to work on it. <laughs> and, like, when we earlier, we kind of, like, we didn't really touch on, like, what level of, like, team you would play with these. It, in my mind, it depends on how many you throw at them. Yep. Yeah. Right? You can scale yeah, it. Yeah, I think it, yeah. It yeah, if you're just fighting it. one, sure, you can probably get it to run away after you've hit it once or twice, and so then you don't ever have to see it again, and you're done. But if you have, like, 10 or 15 of these surrounding you, like, what a fucking shit show that's going to be. You're constantly getting stabbed from left and right, and all of a sudden there's nothing there, and then oh, even man. if you then even throw on the ghost blades, you've got these just massacred looking ghosts that just want to murder you right like it can actually get pretty frightening depending on how well you scale it as a dm yeah like are you using them to scare your group when you go into battle with them or are you using them to like be guides to your point and i think that scaling that number is what's going to kind of determine what that looks like yeah yeah so even if you do kill the one now you get to learn what it is and then you'll be like oh well there might be more of them around maybe next time we actually talk to it yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so it allows them to fuck up once, but if you fucked up once and you decide to fuck You'll around find and find out. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But what about you, Ellie? Any final thoughts on those ones? I no. <laughs> I think you guys very much summed it up. <laughs> Fuck around, find out. <laughs> Fuck around and find out. It's it's really it really is based off of that scalability of these guys and and how many you want to throw out your players. Yeah. Um, what is the context in which they're they're finding these um, that they're encountering them? Um, who they're following who they're following there's so many variables and i and i think that that's really what is so great about um this specific creature is that they they're a really good puzzle piece that fits into anything so if you're looking for something like their versatility um this would be a really good thing to kind of plug and play Mm -hmm. and and just kind of hit your party with something a little bit different yeah yeah, we've covered a lot of undead thus far, and lots of them kind of come up in very specific scenarios. This yeah. really is one that could be good or evil, yeah. and put could, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, you could pop it in. You could you could use it as the intro to welcome to like creatures that are undead yeah. to your yeah. party, and you can go in a lower level or you can hit them a little higher. A little higher. Yeah. 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 I like it. Yeah, beginning at the beginning of your story arch or end of your story arch, they just plug in anywhere. You mean arc? Arc. Arc. Story arc. Arch. Arch. Arc. 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 I always thought of it like as an arch. Like you go, it's a nice arch. Story arc. An arc is also that. (laughs) Internet, arc or arch, you be the judge. (laughs) Tomato's motto. (laughs) It's my favorite thing to do is piss off the internet. Still is. So, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 haunted items, how would you rank these creatures as part of the Undead Landscape in D&D 5th edition? So, to describe to you what we do with these, okay. yeah. is it makes no sense. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is the rating system, yes! We just give it a 1 to 10 yeah. on haunted items based on the ones that we talked yeah. about today. We barely take in consideration what we've talked about previously. Yes. Well, no, this is just specifically this is just specifically what we talked about. Okay, so so Idolins. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, okay. Okay, Idolins were the CR twelve. The CR twelve because they yeah. can put put into statues and then hit you for like fifty points of damage. Yeah. yeah. But the And sacred, you can't really kill them. Right. And the sacred statue is separate though. Yes. yes it's its own stat block. Okay. So the Idolins <laughs> the Idolins on their own. Impossible to hit. Yeah. But very low hit points. And so it's how, yeah, so this is where the skit, it's like, how do you perceive this? How do you, how do you, yeah, like, how do you as threatening, so sometimes terrifying. Am, am I personally afraid of it? Yeah. yeah. Would my character be afraid of it? Like, yeah. It's whatever you feel in the moment of how you want to rate this. So Casey, you're first. Uh, I, regular Eidolons. I am not necessarily terrified of them, so I'm going to rate them Three. The three? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna give them like a four or five. Because same same kind of jam where I'm just like, like, I'm not personally afraid of them. I feel like there's never an instance in my life where I would come across one. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to go to sacred ground on a regular basis. Even in my character, like my characters I think about my characters D D too. Right. I'm like they would not necessarily be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I tend to play religious characters. I feel like they would be safe. And, like, you wouldn't go in there, like, typically in the characters that you've played, too, like, go in attacking right away. Typically. So, typically. Adam would disagree with my current character, but yes, typically. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. What, so, about, what, what about you, Ellie? So, I was leaning more towards a four on just kind of interaction with them and dealing with them if I have to fight them. Yeah. 
characters' thoughts, feelings on it type thing. I would rate it like a seven on an annoyance scale, though. That's true. Can't kill <laughs> that it. Is fair. You know, can't yeah. kill it. Like I feel like I very much play those types of characters. You're a murder hobo. I, yeah. Oh, she is. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> she murders, but not in a hobo like yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I am like a very chaotic good. I will murder you because you piss me off, kind of. And I okay. feel like this would. Yeah. Piss me off to a point, and the fact that I wouldn't be able to kill it would just so you would like keep, double down, and triple you know, down it would just be one be of like, those, th- <laughs> yeah, it would just be one of those things that it was like it was a strength of wills or a battle, a battle of wills between myself and the idol. And so, I, a seven on Fair. an annoyance scale, but I mean, overall, Fair. comparative to everything, a four. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Next. Flitter step idolins. The flitter steps. The flitter steps. Oh man. Okay, yeah, I know my they're answer. Cute too. Yeah, I know my answer. They're as lower well. than. They're, the you gave, you gave them a cute too. Yeah. yeah. Cute oh, I gave them a ten on the annoyance. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, if we're fuck doing, these. Yeah. If we're doing, if we're an, doing annoyance, an annoyance, like an annoyance scale, scale on the side, yeah, they would be. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Like yeah. get yeah. bent as soon as you stab me and run away. You're a ten in my books. They're an incorporeal pixie. They are going to annoy the crap out of you. Absolutely. They're a 10 on the annoyance. They are a cute two. I definitely agree with that. A sparkly two. A sparkly (laughs) With a little flitter step glitter behind them. Right? Yeah. Like, highest perception roll ever. And the DM goes, you see a little sparkle. You see sparkles. (laughs) And it's like, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah. And your fucking sparkles. (laughs) What's next? Uh, Ghostblade Idolins. Okay, okay. So they're getting a bit. They're getting a bit aggressive. They want to fight. So I'm gonna put them at seven. I was gonna say six, <laughs> but more on the lines of like I'm a little bit more afraid of them. But also like from a DM perspective, they have a little bit more to them. Where yeah. like it's the tragic backstory that draws yeah. me in. So yeah. it's almost like a six on a likability scale. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. I- <laughs> In his like mass chart of of all of, of these ratings. scales, he's gonna be like <sighs> new line. That's <laughs> annoying scale. Annoying new line. Likeability. And that's a, honestly that's a fun, that's a great thing to point out to people because there was an episode where I called it out saying, "Hey, I wonder if anybody's keeping track of this." And immediately I got a message from Adam being like, "Bold of you to assume I am not already," and sent me the Excel doc. And I was yeah. like, "Oh, fantastic." <laughs> I I would tend to agree. I was floating around like a six and a seven on kind of just your general scale. Um, yeah, if you're fighting a hundred of these, like a ten. If you're fighting absolutely. two of them, five, Absol- six. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it really does draw back to that scalability um, and what scenario you're really encountering these in. Um, would I want to fuck around and find out with one of these? Probably not. No. Um, there should be a fuck not. around and find out scale. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but if I was playing new line, fuck <laughs> around and find, find out, out. <laughs> um, that would be a hard zero on the fuck around and find do out. Not do not, do not want. Hard pass, hard pass. Um, but I mean, if I ever played a character that had a high enough intelligence to be like, hold up, can we use this to an advantage? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those like Allies I would definitely, you know, on a on a on an ally scale. <laughs> on a what I use this as an ally scale? <laughs> yeah. <New> line. <laughs> like if you're if you're Aragorn going under the mountain because this is your only fucking hope exactly. of winning this war. Exactly. You're, you're amazing. Yeah, exactly. 
dear. Exactly. So last but not least, sacred statues. Okay, the sacred statue in combo in that it can poof to a new yeah. statue and do all of that. Fucking ten. Like, yeah. you, if you're in a room of statues or multiple rooms of statues mm-hmm. and, like, what if there's a sea of statues and then there's this stupid little shiny thing that you have to fucking get to at the yeah. end? This is your fuck. It's like you're wa- you're like you're walking into a room of like the terracotta soldiers. Oh, oh my like, god, you get know. bent. <laughs> and, and so we only talked about if there was one like um, Iladon that just keeps bouncing. Yeah. What if there's a dozen of them? Yeah. So you see a dozen statues moving at one time. Yeah. yeah. And then you kill five, or someone does this massive bomb blow up and destroys this whole area of them, and then. The next ones that are the the closest. Five more statues. Yeah, five like more it's moving. just like re- it's relentless, like and it's what fucks around with humans' minds too. Yeah. When you can't yeah. destroy something and you can't run away from them. Yeah, it's a ten. Ten. it's it's a it's ten, ten on the get bent scale. <laughs> yeah. 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 Line, get bent. Get bent. <laughs> Adam's removing his glasses at this point. He's his eyes. Take one of these. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, now it is time to close the crypt on this part of our conversation on the undead in D&D 5th edition. Stay tuned next time when we rise up to haunt you again with even more terrors from beyond the grave, including different kinds of spirits with a purpose from other campaign settings. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash it's a mimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. And welcome to Ellie. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the shit show. <laughs> totally. <laughs> One time, so the thing is, there was one time where there was an episode where Adam was like, Okay, I don't know what it is, but there's this bonking sound constantly through the episode, and I can't edit around it, so like you'll have to figure out what it is. And And I'm like, It's it's the wine cups. cups. (laughs) That's how often we're drinking. (laughs) Unfortunate, yeah. Oops. (laughs) She gets it from reading Oliver Smut on her Kindle. Oh, yeah. I listen to Smut. <laughs> I do. Oh, oh I do. Both well. of you listen to Smut. <laughs> get Kindle Unlimited and then do um, Amazon Matchmaker and you get ebooks for like $7. There you go, Adam. There's your, your information. Oh, oh, are you recording? 100%. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, this all goes in the outtakes. Smut story. for cheap. <laughs> Smut for cheap. How would. Or. <laughs> So, Eidolon. Eidolon? Eidolons. Eidolon. This is going to be hard. Oh, God. Can we call them Eidies? <laughs>
<laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> God damn it, Casey. <laughs> All right, are we ready to, to try and start? Do you need any, any questions, thoughts, feelings, emotions before we do this, Ellie? It's fine. I felt like my like one little blurb of shit that I was able to find on Ghostblade Idolists. That was about it. That's all you need. Yeah. That's what you're here for. All right. <clears throat> We're going to give a moment of silence to Adam. I'm going to do it with the mute button so it's 100% quiet. <laughs> Essentially, if you fight one of these. Because here's where it gets a little... Can you you turn the beeps and the boops off? (laughs) Megan's throne. Absolutely. Excuse me. Excuse me. Miss Ma'am, is it your first day? Apparently. What a noob. It's okay. I'm pretty sure I left the vibrate on on my phone. Um... I'll start again. <laughs> From the top. No, for, the whole beginning. The whole thing has to be redone. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry for the knuckle crack, guys. I Ooh. am missing dice. Give me a hot second. We all fucked up. We don't have dice. I could have brought my six and a half pounds of dice. six and a half pounds of dice. I could have brought my six and a half pounds of dice if I was told to prepare for this. We fucked up. It's our fault. I did not even think of it. Pause for wine drinking. <laughs> and getting our shit together. What's happening? We paused for wine drinking and getting our shit together. Yeah, that's fair. What did you pause? Nothing. Nothing. Oh. We just said pause. Oh, I was like, the audio is still going. I don't know how you think you paused, but the audio is still there. No. I'm too scared to touch anything. What if I fuck it up? Pick a dice. <laughs> Uh, Ellie, storylines, quests, one-shots, campaigns, thoughts, ideas. Oh, that's me being unprofessional. I'm so sorry. That's my things in the bing. That's my Snapchat. Holy shit. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> Take three. Ugh. Um, but as far as their actions go. Was that you? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Just throw her phone out the window. <laughs> as far as their actions, um, they have Ghost Blade. So they have a melee weapon attack of plus six to hit with a five foot range um, against one target. So it's an eight to hit and slashing down. Or is it? It's, um... That was my computer. That was your computer. <laughs> It was oh, you were on that knee on the beeps and the boops. It's like tit for tat every time. <laughs> yeah. You're coming at me in the comments. <laughs> you are answering Snapchats. 